In this episode of We Believe You, there is a brief description of a sexual assault. Hey again, everyone. It's Victoria. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we'll be talking about financial abuse, which impacts many survivors, but it's not often discussed or fully understood. We regularly hear from survivors of relationship violence that financial abuse is one of the biggest reasons they stay in or return to abusive relationships. Financial abuse can look lots of different ways, like not allowing a partner to work or making them earn all the money in the household. It can also look like a partner preventing a survivor from studying or going to class, causing loss of scholarships. As with other forms of abuse, this is all about power and control, which can have years-long consequences for a survivor, even if they leave the relationship. Today, we have a guest in the studio to help us better understand this form of abuse, as well as financial planning for survivors when preparing to leave an abusive relationship. Adrian Bell is an independent financial planner who helps survivors of relationship violence work toward economic independence. Adrian is also a trained VAT volunteer and is affiliated with Crossroads Safe House here in Fort Collins. She is passionate about helping survivors understand and break free from financial abuse. Adrian is also the owner of Phoenix Financial Consulting here in Fort Collins. Hey, Adrian, welcome to the show. Hi, everyone. Thank you, Victoria, and to the WGAC for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to be on this podcast. Um, just a little bit about me. My family and I relocated to Colorado mid-pandemic. My daughter was a student here at CSU and just recently graduated with her horticulture degree. When I came out, I became a part of the WGAC's victim assistance team and, again, have also been affiliated with Crossroads Safe House here in Fort Collins. I have been in finance and accounting for over 25 years, and I have a background in credit unions and banking. I've taught financial literacy to people of all ages. And as you mentioned, I'm the founder of Phoenix Financial Consulting, where I not only help individuals and couples with their finances, I also do some bookkeeping for small businesses. But my biggest passion is helping survivors with their finances, everything from before they leave a relationship to starting over after they have left the relationship. It is an amazing thing to be able to apply my professional skills in doing what I love most, which is helping people, especially survivors, to gain their financial independence. That's so awesome. I'm so happy that you're doing this work. It's really, really important. In your experience, what is financial abuse and how does it impact survivors? According to the National Network to End Domestic Violence, or the NNEDB, they define financial abuse or economic abuse as behavior to intentionally manipulate, intimidate, and threaten the survivor in order to entrap that person in the relationship. My definition, I agree with what they say, but basically, abusers use financial abuse as a form of control and to wield power over you. It could be a partner, or in some cases, it could be a parent who is intimidating you trying to rob you of your financial independence, oftentimes trapping you in a relationship so that you are completely dependent on that person. Using money as a weapon is abuse, plain and simple. Financial abuse, while less commonly understood, is one of the most powerful methods of keeping a survivor trapped in an abusive relationship, and it deeply diminishes the survivor's ability to stay safe after leaving an abusive partner. Research indicates that financial abuse occurs in 99% of domestic violence cases. 
Surveys of survivors reflect concerns over their ability to provide financially for themselves is one of the top reasons for staying in or returning to an abusive partner. What are some of the specific financial barriers survivors face when leaving an abusive relationship and post-relationship? There are quite a few uh, financial barriers that survivors may face when leaving an abusive relationship. And that's basically around creating a financial escape safety plan. Uh, Most importantly, I would suggest accessing all of your financials carefully, reviewing all accounts that you are affiliated with along with your partner, making copies of account information such as numbers, addresses and phone numbers to the customer service lines, passwords, getting copies of your statements and balances. You can either store them out of the house or online where you only have access to those. However, if you're afraid of getting caught and you don't want that information on your own computer at home, I would suggest storing them on a friend or family member's computer. Additionally, I would suggest to try and have an emergency cash stash. Most uh, survivors are economically dependent on a partner, so creating an emergency savings Hiding a little bit of cash wherever and whenever you can would be ideal. If that isn't an option for you, again, I would suggest maybe stashing it at a friend or family member's house. Um, If you can open up a secret savings account, that would obviously be better. And if it can't be in your name, you can always put it under a friend or family member's name as well. The other option would be to open a debit or credit card in another person's name, again, a family member or friend, so that you have access to some funds to be able to provide and cover necessities such as housing, food, medication, clothing, etc. There are many resources throughout the community and online for assistance in obtaining these basic necessities as well. Specifically, if you are a student, who might be having trouble completing your coursework, it's affecting your ability to attend classes, maybe consider seeking out the help of a school counselor, or if you are a student at CSU, contacting the WGAC. Many colleges and universities now offer counseling and resources for survivors. For those of you who are worried about how you're going to pay for school, there are scholarships available that can provide some, if not all, funding to a survivor who needs to finish earning their degree or to get back on their feet after leaving an abusive relationship. Most barriers post-relationship that survivors face are regaining and claiming their financial independence. Many survivors may not know where to start. You know, it involves learning about finance, you know, managing your finances, your earnings for school and your career. Other barriers that you could face would be finding a job, Rebuilding your credit score, finding some legal assistance, getting off of any joint bank accounts, credit cards, loans, and obtaining a release stating that the survivor is indeed, in fact, off all of these accounts. All of this is the foundation for creating a new path in life and personal success and forever ending the cycle of financial dependence and abuse. Those are super great tips. Thank you for sharing that with us. Sure. What do you think are the most important things survivors should know about their finances? Again, start with a solid education about finances in general. Basics, like I had mentioned previously, such as building a savings account, maintaining and balancing your checking account, 
knowing the ins and outs about credit cards, you know, compound interest, your credit limit, student loans, how the interest itself works, rebuilding your credit, knowing what a scam is or fraudulent activity. Many people and not just survivors don't know about finances because, you know, it was a subject that was taboo. I also want survivors to know that they can be financially independent. It is not out of reach, and there are many, many resources available to gain financial freedom. That's so awesome. Thank you. We're going to pivot just a little bit. I'd love to hear you talk about some red flags or cues that financial abuse may be happening to someone. Some of them are obvious and some not. They can present themselves throughout the entire relationship. In some cases, it becomes present when the survivor tries to leave the relationship or after they have already left the relationship. In my experience, it takes on many forms, such as preventing the survivor from having a job, sabotaging job interviews by stalking or harassing the survivor at their workplace, or causing the survivor to lose their job by physically battering prior to important meetings or interviews or just keeping the survivor from attending job training to be able to advance in their career. Also, controlling how all of the money is spent, not allowing the survivor access to bank accounts or credit cards, withholding money, running up large amounts of debt on joint accounts, refusing to work themselves or contribute to the family income, withholding funds from the survivor to obtain basic needs such as food and medicine or clothing, hiding assets, stealing the survivor's identity and property, and last but not least, refusing to pay bills and ruining the survivor's credit score. Those are just a few. Adrian, is there anything else you'd like to share with us today? Sure. Another little piece about me, I am a survivor of sexual assault and domestic violence, which also includes being a survivor of financial abuse. My situation was a little bit different. I was married. I was the breadwinner of the household. My ex-husband, he barely contributed to the household. He basically spent all of our money like it was water. He didn't bother to ask me before he spent the money, often causing our accounts to become negative, which then in turn caused checks to bounce and payments to be declined. And then we incurred a lot of um, late fees and bank fees. He also maxed out all of our credit cards. He opened accounts in my name after we separated and added himself as an authorized user without my knowledge, basically stealing my identity and racking up a bunch of debt in my name and ruining my credit. Luckily, when I found out, I had the background and knowledge to know what to do in that situation. I filed police reports, reported everything to all three credit bureaus. And I also had to file a report with the Federal Trade Commission. I put a temporary freeze on my credit. I made sure to go to the banks and contact all of the additional credit cards that we had and got myself off of those joint accounts and reopened everything else in my own name and basically just started over. And it took a lot of work. And I was a young single mother of a daughter who needed to be provided for. I had to borrow money to get a lawyer. And inevitably, unfortunately, had to file bankruptcy because my ex-husband refused to pay the mortgage on our house and would not sign the papers to sell it. It was a very low point in my life, but it taught me a lot. I vowed at that point, right then and there, to never be in that situation ever again. 
I learned how to become financially independent, and I tried to instill the same in my daughter. That experience has made me hypervigilant about my finances. I also want to mention to everyone listening that there are so many resources out there to help. One I will recommend right now is the NNEDV.org, which is the National Network to End Domestic Violence. There is a lot of information on that site, especially on this particular topic. And the best part about that is you can exit out of that website very quickly and safely so no one knows that you were on the site. And you can always reach out to me through the WGAC, or you can find me on Facebook and Instagram. I would love to help any and all survivors to achieve their financial independence as I strive to help anyone rise above to find prosperity, purpose, and peace. Thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us today, and thank you for sharing your story. It's incredible to hear what you've done with your experience and that you're using that to help others. It's a beautiful thing that can come out of something that's really dark. Thank you, Victoria. I appreciate that. Listeners can meet with one of the advocates to connect with Adrian or check out her content on Instagram and Facebook at Consulting the Phoenix. That's at C-O-N-S-U-L-T-I-N-G-T-H-E-P-H-O-E-N-I-X. That's all for this episode of We Believe You, Advocacy, Resources, and Healing Around Interpersonal Trauma. Please remember that the WGAC is here to provide support for all CSU students 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. To reach an advocate, you can call 970-492-4242. If you have feedback, thoughts, comments, questions, or want to be interviewed for the podcast, please email WGAC at colostate.edu. That's WGAC at C-O-L-O-S-T-A-T-E edu. For more information about advocacy in the Women and Gender Advocacy Center, go to www.wgac.colostate.edu. You can also find the WGAC on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. A big thank you to Xavier Hadley for creating the music used in this podcast and to our partnership with KCSU here at Colorado State University. For more KCSU content, go to kcsufm.com. Thank you so much for listening.